0: Most people know that Law Matters was created to open the lines of communication with law enforcement as well as create educational opportunities so we can be better, more informed citizens. For the last several months, all the news stations have been promoting a negative mindset towards the entire law enforcement community. I agree that some of the recent events are beyond egregious. However, those events do not represent the vast majority of the brave men and women who risk their lives daily to keep the rest of us safe. I'm asking you to please, next time you see a member of law enforcement, show some appreciation and thank them for their service. Now, let's start the show good morning everybody thank you for joining us i want to remind people of a few dates we have coming up next week we will be broadcasting live from steam pump ranch farmers market noro valley the event will last from 8 till 12 we'll be live on air from 8 to 10 and there'll be a lot to do there for kids there's yard games and candy and things will be given out a lot of information about um, sex trafficking awareness. We want people to be aware of what they're seeing. This is happening right here in southern Arizona. And sometimes you're looking at it and you don't even know what's going on. We want people to be able to be educated on this and report it. If you see something that's not quite right. On the 29th of October, the Oro Valley Police Department will be hosting a national Mm -hmm. night out. We will be there and this event will be held at the walmart on tangerine road and some lucky child will get an amazing halloween basket awarded to them through a raffle process no no purchase necessary but we've got a really terrific basket made up for some lucky winner and all the departments will have candy and and other raffle items going on it'll be a fun event and that's from 6 to 8 on the 29th, so that's Friday. On the 20th of November, I've been telling you, save the date for a couple of weeks now. Uh, We have our fine-tuned our event with details, and the tickets can be bought on the lawmatters1030.org website, and we'll be doing a private tour of Wayne's Toys, which is an antique auto collection, private collection, and if you want to be a part of that, please go to lawmatters1030.org for more details. And in the studio, we have Rich Tracy. We want to acknowledge something that happened this week.
1: Good morning, everyone. And thank you, Sherry. Um, I think it is appropriate for us just to take a moment to uh, acknowledge uh, yesterday the Drug Enforcement Administration and the law enforcement community and first responders generally uh, laid to rest uh, group supervisor Mike Garbo, who was tragically killed uh, while working uh, interdiction at the train station uh, uh, Monday morning. Uh, also, uh, there, there's two officers, Special Agent Stephen Fox and Tucson Police Officer Phil Hangsteller, who are recovering from injuries received, wounds received in that shooting. Uh, I think it brings home the, the fact that these men and women are here Um, protecting us and uh, we really need to acknowledge especially the sacrifice of Mike Garbo and the the others who were wounded uh, last Monday and uh, support our law enforcement officers and and keep in mind the sacrifices that they are willing to make on our behalf
0: yeah absolutely please keep them in your prayers and I say it all the time when you see somebody in law enforcement say thank you for your service it's it's just a, a nice thing to do. And they appreciate being acknowledged for the sacrifices they're making. Also in the studio, we have Tim. Hi, good morning. How are you?
2: I'm doing well this morning. How okay. are
0: you? Tell everybody about you, your whole name, your rank, and how you got involved in law enforcement.
2: So my name is Tim Burden-Kent. I'm a Lieutenant with the Miranda Police Department. I've been here for 26 years with all with Miranda Police Department. Uh, what an amazing career. Um, I've seen Marana grow to what the agency and the city is today. Uh, born and raised here in Tucson, Arizona, and um, again, just a, an amazing career in, in law enforcement. I've experienced um, patrol investigations, internal affairs, and uh, now I oversee training and as well as internal affairs.
0: So you're the one that makes sure everybody does push-ups?
2: Uh, yeah, I am part of training as well, yes.
0: <laughs> do you demonstrate or you just say you do it?
2: No, I have the opportunity to just delegate <laughs> and uh, give those assignments to other people.
0: Well, okay. Um, during your process, during the process of becoming a lieutenant, what is what do you have to do? What do you have to achieve along the way?
2: Well, you know, certainly you have to, um, you know, Spend some time at patrol, learn, learn the job of being a patrol officer, um, have that experience um, dealing with various types of calls, dealing with personnel issues uh, once you get promoted to a sergeant, and, um, you know, and then you have that opportunity as a supervisor, a first line supervisor, to go out and, you know, you could be a patrol sergeant, you can be a patrol sergeant um, in, a, in a task force. Uh, you could be a, a sergeant over investigations and and so then you start broadening your horizons getting experience in different fields of law enforcement
0: so you have to really have a, your hands in everybody's department so to speak before you can actually oversee what's going on
2: sure and then with that with that time as a as a patrol, patrol sergeant you know you have an opportunity to move up in the organization you take some and uh, attend some classes and some command level schools and and then start worrying about thinking about you know budgets and policies and uh think bigger picture
0: Um, yeah i'm a loan officer i don't do numbers
2: yeah so
0: (laughs) it's it's just too hard but you said you went to the national academy
2: yeah tell
0: us about that
2: what a great experience Uh, i went two years ago it's a 10-week program where you're assigned to uh to the FBI Academy in Quantico, Virginia. And you're, there's 250 other students uh, all around the country, uh, patrol lieutenants and captains. You have chiefs in there. And then you have international students and you go and attend uh, six, seven classes. It's just like a college uh, college environment. And then you have physical fitness and um, it's a great networking opportunity because you get to know and I, I'm still in connection with a lot of people that went, to, went to, that I went to class with. So, uh,
0: Yeah, I, through the Citizens Academy, went to Quantico. It was awesome. Yeah. We had so much fun. Tell us about it. You, know, you were here to do a, a promo for Salif. Tell yes. us what's going on with this event and, and its history.
2: Yeah, so the Southern Arizona Law Enforcement Foundation, commonly known as Salif, um, we do a yearly fundraiser which is a poker run and this year it's October 30th and it begins 7 30 in the morning at the rental police department headquarters and uh, basically motorcycle riders will sign up and register um, and we've usually averaged around 200 riders and we offer breakfast coffee uh, they have the opportunity to buy raffle tickets and uh, throughout the day they go and and we have a designated route um, we have five stops and at eight, each stop, they get a, a poker hand. They get a a playing card.
0: Now, is this like a mystery run where you have to figure out where you're going? There's a clue, and you have to figure it out. And you go, you get a bailout. Because I used to do uh, mystery runs for uh, hogs.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: We'd organize mystery runs. And it, same thing, it was a fundraiser for some charity. Yeah.
2: Yeah. No, this is actually a pre-designated route. Uh, okay. We we give everybody the the route before they take off, so they don't get lost. So they don't get lost, and it's timed. So we usually it's usually two to three hours, and at the end of the route, uh, we offer a lunch and they can redeem their raffle prizes. And we have music. and Are you cooking? Well, no, I'm not cooking. <laughs> we have a we usually get an outside vendor to cook hamburgers and hot dogs. And okay, um, again, we have music and it's just a time to enjoy the rest of the day and.
0: But and, you have to have motorcycle to do it.
2: So we we usually it's usually a motorcycle ride. Uh, we do have um, the opportunity to um, we invite uh, specialty cars um, and uh, other types of vehicles. If you know fun riders that that uh, that can participate as well.
0: Okay, so all this money you're collecting, what do you do with it?
2: So all the money that is raised goes to Salif a Foundation. Uh, the mission of Salif is to Uh, provide financial support to seven agencies here in Southern Arizona uh, for any safety equipment that an agency needs. So if their budgets don't allow or they can't budget for ballistic vest or a ballistic vest for their canine.
0: I was going to say the puppies. Yeah.
2: Or, um, you know, we we, uh, made a submission for gas masks for our members of the SWAT team. Because you know
0: something i don't know what's going on yeah you need gas mask
2: yeah um <laughs> that stuff that stuff gets pricey and uh sometimes that stuff gets uh expired and rotted and
0: yeah it so doesn't last forever just because you have it doesn't mean it's good exactly so, so um but you said gas mask okay we've got trains going through town are you guys ever called on you know a situation with the train yard where you know some, some chemicals leaking
2: we we prepare for it Okay. And we prepare for it. The train certainly goes, uh, we don't have any stops in Marana, but certainly uh, we could have a train event. Uh, We do plan for it and train for it in case something were to happen.
0: Yeah, that's, I know some engineers and they're like, we don't even know what kind of chemicals on here. They just said, sign this release. And I'm like, oh, that's not healthy. Yeah, That's scary.
2: Yeah, very scary.
0: So Um, yeah, that's good to plan.
2: Absolutely. We actually had a train derailment, um, Gosh, four or five, six years ago,
0: I remember that.
2: Yeah, right at Twin Peaks. Yeah, just because of the heavy rain.
0: And so,
2: what did you guys do? So, so we just we blocked off the frontage road. We blocked the roadways off. Uh, Union Pacific came in with their security team, and uh, and then they were in charge of their their property for two weeks. Why they fixed the train, the rail, and got everything taken care of. So,
0: does that mean the trains were stopped? stopped moving if they couldn't move the trains during that time
2: i I believe yeah they they actually stopped uh service for two weeks they had to do the repairs
0: wow yeah so if you're on amtrak yeah you're stuck i'm not sure i want to take an amtrak anymore yeah i did years ago but (laughs) maybe not not anymore have you ever been on a train cross country
2: i have not I have not. So It I'm,
0: was the I, coolest thing to do.
2: I'm hearing it's a quiet experience.
0: It is. You get a sleeper car so you don't have to be you know, out there with, and it, it was really cool. Have you ever, Rich, have you ever taken a train cross country? Never cross country. Where have you taken it to?
1: Between uh, Philadelphia and Washington, D.C. and a couple other places along the East Coast. But it was but it those was are more short like trips. A, it was more like getting on a puddle jumper airplane than getting on a... Yeah. You know, getting on a 747 and flying somewhere long distance. Yeah. You know, it was commuter regional stuff. You know, they had a meal car and a quiet car and those kind of things, but not the size. Smoker car. Back in those days. Yeah. yeah, yeah, They had a
0: smoker car. You could see the smoke (laughs) billowing out. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I think we're going to take a break and we'll be back in a few.
3: here, a volunteer with Pima County Search and Rescue. If you get bit by a scorpion or centipede, seek first aid. If you get bit by a snake, don't try to remove the venom. And with a Gila Monster, stay calm, call 911 and use a stick to dislodge its jaw.
2: It's Mark from Law Matters and I'm asking you to join us in our 1030 campaign. 1030 is code for unnecessary use of radio. Keep our radio show free from unnecessary advertising by visiting lawmatters1030.org and click the 1030 campaign button. Your monthly tax-deductible donation of $10.30 will allow us to broadcast public service announcements instead of advertisements. Visit lawmatters1030.org and sign up today.
4: To report suspected human trafficking, please call the National Human Trafficking Resource Center at 1-888-373-7888 or text HELP or INFO to two three three seven three three. To learn more about Homeland Security investigations and our efforts to combat human trafficking, please visit our website at www.ice.gov or check out the DHS Blue Campaign at www.dhs.gov slash bluecampaign. For more information on the Southern Arizona Anti-Trafficking Unified Response Network, please visit us at www.saturn.org or find us on Facebook.
0: Hi, this is Sherry asking you to tune in to Law Matters live show every Saturday morning at 8. On our next show, we will be broadcasting live from Oral Valley's Pump Ranch Farmer's Market from 8 to 10. The event will last from 8 to noon. Our topics are sex trafficking awareness and, of course, drugs are always involved. We can't do these shows without your help. Please go to LawMatters1030.org to support our mission.
3: Law Matters podcast can be found on iTunes, Google Play, and LawMatters1030.org. Saving lives means staying informed. Knowing the dangers of using counterfeit prescription pills can help those you care about and keep our community safe. As a parent, educator, neighbor, or friend, we all play a role in building safe and healthy futures for ourselves and our loved ones. Do your part. Take the first step today. Visit GetSmartAboutDrugs.com to access education, prevention, and treatment resources. Counterfeit prescription pills laced with fentanyl are deadly. Be their protector. Be informed. Visit GetSmartAboutDrugs.com.
2: The Southern Arizona Law Enforcement Foundation, SALIF, will be hosting its third annual Law Enforcement poker Run on Saturday, October 30th, beginning at the Miranda Police Department headquarters. The Halloween-themed poker run begins at 7.30 in the morning and ends at 2 p.m. with the lunch, music, and raffle prizes. The pre-registration cost is only $25 per driver and $15 per passenger. Cost does increase the day of the event. Please join us as we ride together in support of law enforcement. This is John a volunteer with Pima County and Rescue. Planning a day hike? Start hydrating a few days ahead, bring plenty of water, sunscreen, a first aid kit, and proper clothing. It's the smart thing to do.
0: Thanks for staying with us. Tim, you were saying that you were a part of Internal Affairs. Explain to us what that means, because, you know, we hear the Internal Affairs, but exactly what does it mean? So
2: basically, we... We have to investigate our investigate our own officers. Um, certainly, if there's a complaint, an allegation of misconduct, um, not only externally from someone in the public, but if there is a policy violation internally, internal affairs will do the investigation to see if there's a policy violation. You know, the key is to hold officers accountable. Um, certainly, to follow policies and procedures. But certainly, if if there's a violation. Uh, with the policy and procedures if they're treating uh, a member of the public inappropriately. And that can be twofold, certainly if there's a policy violation, but certainly if the actions of an officer is criminal in nature, that officer can be charged criminally with either a misdemeanor or a felony, depending on the seriousness of the the offense. And that's what's so key to internal affairs is because we, we have to uphold the law and the integrity and the mission of a, of a law enforcement agency and um and we take that very seriously i mean every agency does and um and that's what's that's what's so vital for our community
0: you know i i don't think people understand if you get pulled over and you get a ticket and you think the officer had an attitude maybe you had an attitude with him too um and you call in and, and complain about that officer that gets investigated absolutely and you know you could be you're you're doing you know mock speed down (laughs) speedway and you get pulled over and you're upset yes well you know what you were wrong but you want to do something to get even with the officer for stopping you and you and sometimes these complaints are just bs to be frank
2: um they can be but you know if we didn't do our due diligence then we wouldn't be doing our job and and even though it may not be a um, policy violation, um, yeah, it could be an officer that's rude, or you know, maybe discipline isn't the way to go because there may not be a policy violation, but maybe it's a counseling moment where you know the officer needs some education, and so you can sit down, and, and that's the key to a, a supervisor's role is to sit down with a, an experienced officer, a newer officer, or maybe an officer that may just have a bad day that day. Yeah. And um to say, listen, you need to approach your traffic stops a little bit better. Because it really does come down to communication.
0: Yeah. I used to get pulled over all the time. This I tell people I could have wallpapered my walls with my tickets. Yeah. So how do you how do you treat you know, because you're in the business, how do you treat
1: people? Well, I you know, Tim said something very interesting. I wanted to see what Marana PD's Position is on it, but in the Marshal Service, as a supervisor, uh, anybody that's in a management role, a leadership role, either a supervisor or an assistant chief, you know, as a supervisor and an assistant chief, if I became aware of misconduct or anything along those lines, whether it was reported from the public or whether it was a rumor floating around or you know whatever the case was, as long as it wasn't a baseless allegation, and the bar for that is actually relatively low it was incumbent upon us to report it to our internal affairs and us not to report it to internal affairs became an internal affairs investigation against us for failure to report yeah right so so and this goes back a few years you know that this goes back quite a few years with the marshal service anyway so you know the the accountability is there and, um, you know, we're, we're probably – the the Service services a federal agency is probably a little – I don't want to say less transparent, but that transparency can take a little longer because there's – you know, for example, trying to get transparency uh, uh, with the Witness Protection Program is going to be very, very difficult for the general public. Oh, yeah. but, I, but I will say that even though that's the case, to the extent that it, it's still transparent within the agency at a level that leads to that – account you know, that ultimately leads to that accountability, although – Oftentimes, that might become public in in a uh, in a more sanitized way than kind of what what Marana police might have to put out as far as the kind of the gory details, so to speak, or, or other agencies. But the point I'm trying to make is that the accountability is there wherever you are, and management has to be accountable. As has well. to be accountable as well, or else we're in trouble for not reporting. And I I'm a, I've seen Tim Donning, so I'm assuming Marana has a similar you approach. know similar approach. So.
2: Yeah, and certainly it's it's incumbent upon anyone that has information to come forward and report an allegation. And again, if it's it's a if it's a supervisor executive level, they're they're just held accountable just as as much as an officer.
0: When you think about it, though, the U.S. Marshals are going after some really bad people on a daily basis. So that's your thing; you go out after fugitives and there's a big difference between a fugitive who's got an arrest arrest record or somebody who's known to be a bad person and a traffic ticket where you know it's just some old lady speeding (laughs) you know so don't you have to kind of consider where that complaint is coming from
1: well if if someone makes a complaint it has to be followed up on
0: regardless right and and sometimes
1: you know in our, our internal affairs they would Take a look at it, and they would refer it back to the the local office for investigation and follow up, which, which usually led to the counseling or mentoring moments that that Tim referred to at Marana. Um, but if it was something that was going to lead to a higher level of discipline, or or you know days off, that kind of thing, or if it you know then the the um, internal affairs would handle it. And then, um, if it was criminal, then our internal affairs—just to draw a distinction—could not investigate that. They referred that to the Department of Justice Office of Inspector General, where criminal investigations into conduct of employees took place. Oh, wow! So, so that if if they, they deemed serious, yeah, if they deemed it to be criminal, it was referred to the Inspector General for the Department of Justice, and then they would decide. What they would do with it. So, I guess that's what I'm talking about. What I mentioned it can take a while. Yeah. You know, what I mean, you know, here in Arizona, that's going to Washington, D.C., or maybe a regional investigator that reports to D.C., and they stew on it for a while, decide what they're going to do with it, and then it goes, let's say it goes to the Department of Justice because it's in a gray area and you sit and you wait for the Justice Department to stew on it for a while and decide what to do. And then it comes back to us, let's say, and then they stew on it again before it finally comes back (laughs) down to us. And and before you... Because it's
0: the government. Right, right.
1: Yeah. (laughs) You know, so, and that's just kind of the way, kind of the way it happens. Now that's, that's improved over the years because the timeframes have been shortened because it's, it's important for that transparency to be maintained to the extent that it can be it, it, to the extent it could be maintained
0: so if something happens like you know there's a shooting like we've had many <laughs> since yeah. this past year does a different department investigate like if there's a shooting let's say tpd has a shooting situation does the state police or the county or somebody else investigate it if a policeman's involved
2: yeah, and that's that's actually a good question because now regionally uh, there's a mandate and the surrounding agencies are trying to work the details out of a regional response officer-involved shooting task force. It'll involve obviously Tucson Police Department, Marana, Oro Valley, uh, Pima County. Um, so our all the investigators are working together. You know, if, if Oro Valley or one of us were to get in an officer-involved shooting, then we would pull from the task force and it technically would be an outside entity that comes in and and does that investigation um so that but we have to work out the details because everybody has a different internal affairs everybody has different um policies policies uh different policies on body worn cameras so it's we're working out the it's very very difficult right now but we're going to work through it and and we're close and we hope to have something soon on this task force do you have cameras body cameras miranda police department does have body worn cameras
0: and are you happy about it is it something that i think are a good thing because you get accused of so much and the camera proves otherwise you know they,
2: they've they've definitely been a game changer um you know we can I mean, we can literally pull up and replay the video within a minute of an incident, whether it's a traffic stop, an officer involved shooting, and review it to give us a direction to go in the investigation. Again, uh, if it's going to go in a criminal or if it's going to go into internal affairs, uh, we can bring in a complainant if it's a traffic stop and... Have them review the video and say, "Well, you're claiming the officer did this and that." Well, we don't see it, and then they and then they realize, "Okay, well, maybe I was a little rude. Maybe it was me that, you know, that's happened before as well."
0: Yeah, that happens a lot, actually.
2: <laughs> it
1: actually does. And, and there's news, you know, national news of specific instances. It doesn't take many. It's not too hard to find on YouTube, you know, news stories and and cameras of, of you know members of the public that made complaints against officers and the, the body worn camera shows that nothing could be further. I mean, not even close. It wasn't even like you really had to make a decision. It was obvious that the person was fabricating a story as you alluded to earlier to get back at the officer or whatever the, whatever the case was. So you know, it's become a, the body worn cameras are becoming so commonplace. Now, you know, the County, just voted. The board of supervisors just ordered to let the sheriff's department to get them to the sheriff's department. The marshal service is in a is in a phased approach to uh, adding uh, body worn cameras in certain operations operational situations to 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 their agent to our you know my old agency. So it's 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 coming and it's out there and I, and I think you know having been in law enforcement when they were first rolled out, everybody was oh no 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 and I think over time we've kind of tra- yeah, it's it's turned into at least it's at least it's not good one you know it, it's not one way or the other you know it has its benefits it has its limitations and it just becomes the environment you know pretty soon there'll be a day when there won't be an officer that's working that didn't wear one yeah. you know so as 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 you go through as that transition takes place you know, it, it'll just be so commonplace because there's still a number of officers in different departments that were around during the days when they didn't exist. But someday that won't be the case anymore.
0: I know they wear the camera. It's on their chest. I think they should get a GoPro, put it on their helmet
2: or on the Well, way. There is different, there's different uh, systems where you can put a camera like on a ball cap or eyeglasses. and uh, Or you can, like you said, put the camera right in the middle of their vest and um that's the better preferred because that you know hats get knocked off glasses get knocked off and then your camera goes down to the ground and you're wearing the vest and you're wearing the vest so uh, that's pretty much the preferred way of wearing the camera
0: who's watching all these videos or is it something that's on your particular camera or is it something that somebody in a, a room like john sitting over there is he watching those videos
2: so no one watches them live. Uh, when the officer finishes their shift, they download the camera, It goes to the cloud, and uh, once it's downloaded, then you can log in and and uh, password protected and pull up. It's all marked by a case number, the officer's name, and then you can pull up the video based on that information.
0: I've seen. Is there are there any restrictions from the officer uploading it to YouTube?
2: Yes, it's all department. Uh, secured. Uh, they're not allowed to make copies, or because it belongs to the police department, so they can't make again make copies and put it on YouTube.
1: Yeah, just to clarify what I said earlier, the, the way they get to YouTube is the news media or whatever will do a public records request, get the video, and yeah. then that's how it winds up on the internet. The that's police what I was departments, are, yeah, 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 uh, yeah. The police departments themselves are are not doing that. Broadcasting. and that's uh, that. I'm I'm assuming that would be a major bozo no-no as we used to say on on, in chicago when we were kids you know you wouldn't you wouldn't do that unless you know that would that would be an internal affairs investigation that would probably lead to serious consequences if you did that
0: because i've seen videos they call the stupid uh criminal videos who posts those that's a newspaper
2: it's all media driven
0: media yeah it's all media driven they're kind of funny (laughs) you watch some of these stupid moves that people make So how long were you in internal affairs and are, are you part of the process of changing or updating whatever's going on?
2: Yeah. So I've, I've been internal affairs as a Sergeant. Now I've oversee the unit as a Lieutenant and, uh, um, you know, we, we look at everything, uh, day to day, weekly, we update policies when, when the new policies come out every year and we make sure that we're doing the right thing.
0: How many people are in your internal affairs unit?
2: Sounds like a lot. Well, for, for Miranda, we only have one sergeant. Uh, I'm the lieutenant, and we can assign an investigator to be an internal affairs investigator um, if, if, mo- so, if if multiple so, interviews need to be done.
0: So if something happens, you and the person is in internal affairs, you have to assign somebody else to be internal affairs to investigate that.
2: You mean as far as another...
0: You don't have a set group
2: of people. Oh no, we have one sergeant that's assigned, and he'll he'll take the information, do the investigation, do the interviews, and then we work the process that way.
0: He's not very busy, is he? He can be. Can
2: he? It, it, it depends on the yeah. It depends on the allegation and what's going on. So. time
0: of year is there a time of year where you get more complaints than others? No. You know, like Christmas time. <laughs> no. No. No,
2: nothing in no, nothing specific.
0: Well, that's good. yeah is there same question is there a time of year where you guys would get more complaints
1: no because
0: i can't imagine anybody complaining about a u.s marshal
1: well it it it, believe me it happens um and uh again you just have to you just have to i I mean you, you were right earlier when you were talking about you know when we're standing at a door and eventually that door comes down and we're in a house and it's a dynamic situation and people don't like that and they complain and they want you know they want their door fixed and all and and quite frankly we leave you know when you do that you leave behind a a tort claim form right and they have the ability to fill that out and send it to us and we process it send it to our office of general counsel and they review it and and we'll pay to have the door fixed you know even if if
0: they were wrong even if well, you arrested I, I, everybody in the house, well,
1: <laughs> there, there are certain uh, there are certain circumstances where it gets reviewed and it's denied or whatever the case is. So. Okay, but but I mean, so my my point is is that is that we're not we're not walking through our through our daily lives without knowing that there's accountability for everything, you know, virtually everything that you do. Yeah. You know and it, it doesn't take much to you know i, I used to say you know you, you you um you know you've you've rung a bell that can't be unrung you, mm-hmm. you know i mean if someone
0: can't unring and the bell. i hate
1: i i you know I, I don't like to use fire analogies you know fire department analogies because my friends in the fire service will you know ride Rage me unmercifully you. for saying it but <laughs> but essentially you know uh you ring a bell that can't be unrung certain things have to happen if certain allegations are made and, you know, it's just, it's just the, the way that it is. Um, and th- I think on one hand, um, th- there needs to be some accountability to the citizens again, with the, with the, with the uh, videos you find online of people that made things up out of whole cloth, there needs to be some accountability for them as well to, to kind of tamp that down. So I think the public needs to know that if they get pulled over by an officer and, they, they don't like the circumstances that transpired as you said that they got to understand that if they're going to make that complaint that it's not going to be very difficult to prove one
0: way or the other what transpired now can they get in trouble for making a false report
2: yeah so we do offer um kind of a disclaimer that if if an allegation is false or it's proven that they made this up they can be held liable um or charged with a misdemeanor for false reporting and uh it doesn't happen very often but uh but there, there is that disclaimer
0: okay that's cool yeah all right i don't know anybody who has made a, a complaint against uh i've been pulled over once in tucson where i i wanted to because he was so rude but i got over it <laughs> and i didn't complain about it but I, i've never forgotten his name so <laughs> that's bad that's my, so bad
2: my guess it was a motorcycle officer
0: it was
2: yeah how'd you know well usually those you know they they're uh they're very stick they're sticklers with you know traffic laws and that's that's their mission and uh it's, they, they ride a lot of tickets
0: and it's the only time i've i've been pulled over that you know the guy was rude yeah. we want to take another quick break we'll be back in a few This is Sherry asking you to tune in to Law Matters live show every Saturday morning at 8. On our next show, we will be broadcasting live from Oral Valley's Pump Ranch Farmer's Market from 8 to 10. The event will last from 8 to noon. Our topics are sex trafficking awareness and, of course, drugs are always involved. We can't do these shows without your help. Please go to LawMatters1030.org to support our mission. Law Matters podcast can be found on iTunes, Google Play, and LawMatters1030.org.
4: To report suspected human trafficking, please call the National Human Trafficking Resource Center at 1-888-373-7888 or text HELP or INFO to two three three seven three three. To learn more about Homeland Security investigations and our efforts to combat human trafficking, please visit our website at www.ites.gov or check out the DHS Blue Campaign at www.dhs.gov bluecampaign. For more information on the Southern Arizona Anti-Trafficking Unified Response Network, please visit us at www.saturn.org or find us on Facebook.
2: The Southern Arizona Law Enforcement Foundation, Salif, will be hosting its third annual Law Enforcement poker Run on Saturday, October 30th, beginning at the Marana Police Department headquarters. The Halloween-themed poker run begins at 7.30 in the morning and ends at 2 p.m. with the lunch, music, and raffle prizes. The pre-registration cost is only $25 per driver and $15 per passenger. Cost does increase the day of the event. Please join us as we ride together in support of law enforcement.
3: Saving lives means staying informed. Knowing the dangers of using counterfeit prescription pills can help those you care about and keep our community safe. As a parent, educator, neighbor, or friend, we all play a role in building safe and healthy futures for ourselves and our loved ones. Do your part. Take the first step today. Visit GetSmartAboutDrugs.com to access education, prevention, and treatment resources. Counterfeit prescription pills laced with fentanyl are deadly. Be their protector. Be informed. Visit GetSmartAboutDrugs.com.
0: thanks for staying with us we have a caller sue you have a question sue can you hear me
5: I'm Wondering. can you hear me
0: i can hear you what's on your mind
5: I'm, just, I'm wondering if the hair goes up on the marana police department's arms when there is a notification from the department of justice that the FBI will be called on parents who are protesting at um, school board meetings. It's like, is that going to be a priority with Marana? Or, you know, is there a policy coming down on that? Just, um, it's very concerning to me, because, um, you know, police take an oath to uphold the Constitution, and free speech is the heart of our country. So I I would like to just know if any of those discussions are taking place at Marana.
2: So I guess one of the things that I'd like to ask you, are you talking about the recent board meetings that the Marana Police Department has been there to make sure the meetings go run smoothly?
5: Um, Well, the Department of Justice just yesterday or the day before said that they are going to unleash the FBI on parents who are angry at these meetings um, and are making threats. I've watched a lot of the videos. I've never seen a parent make a personal threat against a board member. They're angry about critical race theory and um certain forms of sex education that are happening in the schools masking um masking and um you know some of these schools are have vaccination uh programs um and 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 some parents are very upset about it i think that's okay if you're if you um if you are against those
0: things well I don't I didn't hear anything about what you're referring to and yeah. I don't think uh, the Department of Justice would unleash the FBI on anybody well
1: actually that's the <laughs>
0: announcement that they made Is that, that's
1: the way it was construed so let me so, wow. l- l- let me take a stab at trying to explain a couple of things so I, if, if I may Go ahead. Me, so Go ahead. <laughs> um, from, from the federal side um, I understand what the caller's saying. That is the way it was it was. I mean, the 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 Attorney way. General did say that the FBI would be called on to investigate threats made at um at school board meetings by oh, okay. attendees so they they did they did say that she's absolutely correct That makes sense. but let me let me try and i'm not going to defend the department of justice or the fbi but i want to maybe add a little bit of perspective to this because i think the issue is jurisdictional whether that would be morana police department or the sheriff's department or whatever local or state jurisdiction is rather than federal jurisdiction so i, I think that's part of the issue because i will say without getting too far into the weeds but what you know I spent a good portion of my career in the marshal service investigating threats to federal judges and assistant US attorneys and other people that the marshal service was responsible for protecting and one of the one of the first things we did was measure everything up against a standard of uh, a first amendment standard and some of the hardiest debates I ever had with threat investigators and colleagues was Whether or not this crossed the the threshold from being, whether it was a First Amendment speech or whether it was what we referred to in the business as a triggering event, which led someone to believe that a crime may be, you know, is being committed or may be being committed. So it it, it was a very fine line between what was First Amendment and what was not. And I will tell you that in in my career of doing it, I, I, I sleep well every night knowing that we. Purposely avoided and sometimes it was painful because we really thought the person might be dangerous But we were always it was always important for us to preserve the rights of of you know, the first amendment rights of the people that were that were uh, uh, Making the calls or making the posts online or whatever the case was now Again, I think I think the concern with the general public now that that are passionate about this issue is whether or not that line that I've just tried to probably not very well describe but if that will be maintained going forward and whether it should be the FBI that's investigating that or uh, you know or a state or local agency
0: okay
2: yeah Tim. on the on the local level we've certainly been um, assigned to um, and actually hired by the school district to make sure the meetings are in order uh, we have had situations, uh, recently where, uh, parents have been very vocal in the meetings, but they've asked us to the school district or the school staff or the district staff has asked us to, you know, when are we going to step in during the meeting when parents are expressing their first amendment rights and freedom of speech. And, and we've directed them, listen, this is, this is a first amendment issue, you know, and. And we're not going to step in because there's no violation of state statute, right, or um, a town ordinance. Um, we allow the meetings to go on as long as everybody's safe and. Uh,
0: I think part of it is, is too is how are you expressing your First Amendment rights of speaking if you're going to get violent and in arrogant about everything like what happened up in Vail? That was ridiculous. And if you're going to act like that then, you know, law enforcement somebody's going to step in.
1: Well, but quite frankly, people don't have to be polite, right? They no, they, they don't can be have to angry. Be. They can be they can be loud. They can be but not threatening. They can be berating, you know, they, they can you know, they can <laughs> there's a lot First Amendment takes in a lot of things when applied correctly, which is my point, right? Right. So, <clears throat> but crossing over into threats, you know, direct threats, implied threats, you know, that there's different types of threats that you look for and that you investigate based on, on what is being said. Um, and, and you, you, you base your, you base your, this triggering event and what happens afterwards is often based on what someone does rather than what they say. Right, it's a actions based approach instead of a statements based approach. Right. So I don't know if the caller's still on the line, but you, she she really sent us into a into a into a pretty hefty conversation. I'm just wondering if she has any feedback of what we have said and, and if it helps answer her question.
0: Is Sue still um, on the line?
5: I'm, I'm very I'm very thankful for your answer, and um, we are looking for constitutional enforcement of the law by by law enforcement i love law law enforcement breaks my heart when anyone is ever injured in the line of duty i have one of those flags with the blue line down the middle and um but again the first amendment is the heart of this nation and if police office i've seen police officers aid aid um, agencies and school boards against the people, and we don't want that. If you look at what's happening in Australia, it's terrifying. You know, police are knocking down old ladies and spraying them in the face with, uh, you know, people my age in the face with, with cans of, of uh, you know, repellent. So um we 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 are looking for constitutional enforcement of the law and I really appreciate your answer.
1: So so let me just suggest to you one last thing Sue. Um I, I just made the point that we base things on what people do uh, not so much as to what they say. And I think if and again without I'm not I'm not taking a political position when I say this, but I think regardless of where people are politically it's obvious that everything in this you know everybody goes to a corner regardless of what is said. So um, what I would ask what I, what I would ask you to do and everybody else that is passionate about this issue is not just let's just not rely on what's said but let's watch what's done and yeah. I think that's the that's the key to this is is let's see if uh, you know uh, what actions are taken by federal law enforcement, you know, at these school board meetings, if any, as opposed to, you know, because again, perspective is everything. When I heard them saying that, my thought was, I didn't even think of them being, you know, angry about someone investigating threats and being arrested. My question was jurisdictional. Like, why would school boards are governed by, you know, maybe they, because they get federal money, there's a nexus to the federal, you know, that would get the FBI involved in it. But to me, it's a local law enforcement matter. And I don't think anybody would disagree that if someone does something other than exercise their First Amendment rights, that there should be consequences for that, you know, because right. it, how many, how, how replete is our, unfortunately, you have all these instances of violence where someone left, you know, left crumbs on the trail that something was going to happen. And, uh, and, you know, n- nobody had a chance to take action to prevent that from happening kind of thing so i think that's the thing going forward is let's watch what they what's done as opposed to what's said because there's this piling on effect when things are said that exacerbates and just it becomes a mushroom cloud regardless of what side of the issue you're on
0: yeah and they probably just want people to be able to voice their opinion without the threats without the violence without you know being aggressive (laughs) That way about
1: uh, it. In my career, I stood and watched a lot of people, uh, you know, in demonstrations and protests and in writings and things espouse a lot of things that I, that you know, that that I didn't believe in and would never, you know. Um, I stood and watched the National Socialist movement protest on the, uh, you know, on the front porch of the federal courthouse in Phoenix. You know, and it was everything they said I vehemently disagreed with. But the and I think as Sue would agree, the best thing about it. Is the fact that uh, one of the things that makes America great is the fact that they still have the right to say it, regardless of whether I agree with it or not. And as a law enforcement official, we have more of a responsibility to preserve the First Amendment than even the general public does. Although, although we should all, re, you know, we should all respect it.
0: Absolutely, Tim. No, now, I, don't you think going having law enforcement at the if this is heated at the school boards and stuff is just a, a show of force. Hey, we're going to make sure you guys are going to be disagreeing pleasantly.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. Everybody has a right to express their opinions and what's what they believe in. And and certainly we're there. And, and uh, I think it comes down to education and, and what our role is and what when is it time to step in. And, you know, we talk to our attorneys or town attorneys and Say, hey, this is coming up, and so we're we're educated on what's the right thing to do, and when is it to just to stay back, and when can we and should we intervene? Um, because again, First Amendment rights, freedom of speech is very important. Um, so, so, we, we, so you're
0: not there to stop people from talking; you're just no, there to make sure nobody not. gets hurt. Exactly. Yeah. So um, it's makes sense to me.
2: Yeah, and, and we know it's a sensitive, sensitive issue, a very highly uh, heated issue that's been going on for a couple couple years, and um, but again, not talking politics.
0: And I didn't hear anything about it. <laughs> I don't have a child in school anymore, so I guess I'm out of the loop. So and how did you hear about it? I just
1: osmosis from watching the news. It oh. was it was big <laughs> news earlier. I mean, it was big news this week that that the uh, Attorney General at a news conference or made an announcement that he was going to have the FBI uh, a look into. You know, and they actually referred. They were likening parents at school board meetings to domestic terrorists. I mean, yeah, the rhetoric oh was God. pretty was pretty strong. That's throwing fuel on the fire. Yeah. So, but again, that's that's the nature of the beast right now, unfortunately. So, I think cutting through the cutting through the the rhetoric and getting down to hopefully what will happen. You know, I, I'm hoping that, uh, and I worked with the FBI closely over many years on these threat cases, and some of the hefty arguments we had about First Amendment versus triggering event, they were in the room, and I know that they understand the, the difference between First Amendment and something that could lead to a crime and, again, that triggering event that we talk about.
0: Okay. Define
1: triggering event. Well, again, I, triggering event is when you've, again, it's, it's kind of a, a demarcation line between opinion and when you think someone, when a crime is is likely to be committed or could be committed you know and and it's it's um it it can be hard to define because i'll give you a quick example i I realize we're getting running out of time but if if you and i are walking down the street and there's a manhole cover right and there's a, a, a manhole and there's no cover on it and as we're walking up to it you're about to fall into the manhole and i stop you and i say you better be careful you could get hurt Right, because okay. if I didn't stop you, you were going to fall down the manhole cover. Where, if I call a judge's chambers or I call a protectee and I and I say, "You better be careful; you could get hurt."
0: Right. Okay. Yeah. Right. So. Ones so, that threaten ones.
1: Right. So now you 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 look at other actions of the person that triggering event. For, like for example, we could not even investigate people like we, unless we got to that triggering event. I could not even look into the background of somebody right? I mean, we could not, just because someone called a judges chambers, I was not accessing all the law enforcement databases and things we had access to, to, to drum up information on somebody. Once they crossed that line into the, into what could be criminality, then we were able to do our workup and look into people's backgrounds and that kind of thing. So it, I know it sounds, uh, it's really inside baseball, but it really was something that was near and dear to everybody that i knew that did this type of work
0: okay that makes sense um i just got a text message saying we weren't taking phone calls when actually we are taking phone calls it's a little late we only have a minute left in the show Uh, i want to remind everybody that next week we'll be broadcasting live from the steam pump ranch uh, in oro valley that's their farmers market and we'll be there from 8 to 12 broadcasting from 8 to 10. tim i want to thank you for being here
2: well thank you for having me it was a pleasure
0: <laughs> <laughs> and our guest today apparently didn't realize what time zone we were in so if he calls in at nine o'clock enjoy the conversation i won't be here <laughs> i'm sorry and i want to remind everybody too about the 20th of november We will be having a a fundraiser at Wayne's Toys, which is the Tucson Auto Collection, and it's at 990, I think it's 990 South Cherry Street, but the tickets can be purchased at lawmatters1030.org, and I hope to see everybody there. Actually, we're only allowed like 200 tickets, so if you want to go, grab your tickets now, and thank you, everybody, thank you, Rich, for being here, and... Keep our law enforcement in your prayers. We need your prayers. Thank you. This is Sherry asking you to tune in to Law Matters live show every Saturday morning at 8. On our next show, we will be broadcasting live from Oral Valley's Pump Ranch Farmer's Market from 8 to 10. The event will last from 8 to noon. Our topics are sex trafficking awareness and, of course, drugs are always involved. We can't do these shows without your help. Please go to lawmatters1030.org to support our mission. Law Matters podcast can be found on iTunes, Google Play, and lawmatters1030.org.
3: KBOI Cortero, AM 1030, the voice of Tucson. Trusted local news and talk, a media station.